If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my co-host Brian Siegel. I am Curtis Wilson. Brian, it is after midnight, Sunday morning. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm having a lovely morning so far. Me too, sir. Celebration beer. Flinkies, flinkies. Oh my gosh. What what a what a evening to watch some football. What a day to watch some football. Action all around, good games all around, nail biters, unbelievable performances. Um but Brian, let's just jump into it, man. Let's just jump right into the game. Brian, we 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 start here before the game even starts. We're following Mike Nazola, Andy Bitter. They're talking who they're seeing. They're seeing Hen and Hooker, they're seeing a lot of starters. About an hour before the game, Andy Bitter tweets out that we have 23 players that are not dressed for whatever reason or not. And, of course, you know, we're looking through this. We see Hendon. We'd heard rumors that he wasn't going to be there. So not a shock for us. Yep. We see Keyshawn King. That's a little bit of a shock, a little bit of a who. Keyshawn's a good change of pace back. Hurts not having him. We see Jermaine Waller, which – that had been discussed more, you know, the foot injury, and I think people feel like he had a nick up. But of all the players, it wasn't. It was some guys who were probably going to contribute, but the two big names on the list we did not see coming. We got uh, two coaches. Not only that, coaches. <laughs> not just coaches. Not just coaches. Defensive coordinator Justin Hamilton and linebackers coach and former defensive coordinator – Tracy Clay's out for the game. So that's your probably number one and number two uh, potential uh, defensive play callers not ready for this game, not not in attendance. So uh, right away, I, I went from feeling pretty good when I saw the players that were out to feeling, holy shit, this might be bad once I saw the coaches that were out. What about you, man? Uh, I was the same way. I was like, oh, God, this isn't this isn't good at all, you know. Jay Ham, who, as many people have talked about, his mind and how he likes to, you know, draw up things is very respected. And then Tracy, who you feel if something happened to Ham, Tracy'd be the guy. 
TV design, the game plan, calling plays, and they're both out, and it's like, holy crap. Okay, then it's like, well, who's calling plays? Who, oh my God, who's calling plays? It's the guy who's eight years younger than me and you and Ryan <laughs> and, and, and some me and people kind of talking and chit-chatting, you know, things we're involved with, like, why not Tierlick? Why not, why not tap? You know, they have all these experience. And, Brian, you made the point, why it's Ryan Smith? Probably not them. Yeah. So – in terms of coverage and things like that, that's that's going to be touched by a lot lot more hands on the defense. You're talking about your linebacker is going to be involved, whip, boundary safety, and obviously your corners. So a guy that really understands the coverage at a, a, a great level is going to be the guy that you're probably going to lean on in this instance, despite the experience that a guy like Tierlink has, yeah. um, you know, being a more veteran in terms of a coach at this point. So, and yep. I mean. As we uh, will get to in a second, I think uh, that that played in our favor a little bit. Uh, a lot, definitely a lot more than than what we were we were anticipating. I think. Yeah, the expectations were well above what we were probably expecting. Um, and I know me and you mentioned you mentioned like having Tierlink with probably the changes that are going to happen through the line throughout the rotations, players who are going to be in and out, things he wants to do. He's probably focused on that. And then we think of Daryl Tap, top player with twelve years in the NFL, so much experience. He was probably going to, to me, I think probably you had Tap as the guy who probably was going to be talking through with the two linebackers. Luckily, we have a very experienced core of linebackers with, you know, Shard Ashby, Dax Hollyfield, um, Tisdale, and even Artis, because Artis has played some, probably more getting a feel of what those guys are seeing, relaying the information, because Daryl Tap is that smart of a player where he probably could take the linebackers info, feed it into Ryan Smith. I don't know if Coach Ham and Coach Clays were on a, FaceTime call, feed me in. But either way, it's not. But yeah, we, we don't we don't know to what degree they they were uh, tapped into the sideline. But uh, whatever they did, it, it 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 turned out pretty damn good, guys. It turned yeah, out. Pretty it good. I mean, Hokies all over NC State, forty five twenty four. It was not that close. Um, hey, Brian, should they have ever moved that line? No, nah, they should not have moved that line. That line was low. <laughs> that, that line was low. Well, from the beginning, they should have been raising that up. So we easily covered the six and a half. Our predictions, you know, I give you the victory because you did essentially get the bigger margin, even though it was 14 <laughs> points. Hey, I got closer to the amount of points we actually scored, though. There you go. And I almost hit what they scored. I, I, I'm trying to get a win here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> The impressions, you know, 23, three starters, some key guys you feel. We feel really good about it. I mean, Brian, I mean, I'm going to get some stats here in a second, but what's just your overall impression just in general? In These guys years? really wanted to play some football. Damn right they did. <laughs> they came out like they were shot out of a cannon, like they were shot out of skipper, and – adrenaline worn off there was a little bit of a lull but then settled in were consistent the rest of the way out um definitely i mean just talking about top level when i look at what the offensive game plan was coming into this thing it was to run the ball down their damn throats and that's what we did it was man and i tell you what 474 total yards um offensive yards over 500 total from scrimmage. Um, we had a couple good punt returns, a couple good kick returns. 
314 on the ground on 40 oh. carries. 314 on 40 is 7.9 a carry. That's insane. Brian, what do I always talk about, though? Let's take out the big runs. I took take out, out the, big runs, runs. The, big, the three biggest runs by each player. We still averaged over five and a half a carry. Um, lar- one of the largest or the largest opening rushing total since 2000. We went for 335. There was this guy named Vic on that team. Um, and a guy named Suggs. I've heard of him. I've heard of him, too. You heard about those guys? Yeah. So, yeah, unbelievable. 160 passing. Didn't need much of it. Came up big, though. Braxton Burmeister starts. Seven for 16. 106. Nine on the ground. Uh, nine carries on the ground for 46 yards. Obviously, we'll discuss a little later. Braxton has the hand cramp. Quincy comes in in relief. Four for six. 75 yards. Two touchdown passes. 10 for 47 on the ground. Adds a touchdown there. Um, one of our transfers... Khalil Herbert, 150 yards from scrimmage, Brian, and a touchdown. Um, your man, Raheem Blackshear, adds a touchdown as well on the ground. Hey. And uh, even though there wasn't much for the receivers, a couple guys still feasted pretty good. Big stone gap, three receptions, 68 yards and a touch. Tavion Robinson, four for 40 and a touch. Trey Turner. Only got one reception, but still got 69 total yards, including that big jet sweep. So, you know, we feel good there. Now, defensively, Brian, me and you kind of about last hour before we started this up, we were just kind of chatting, looking at stats, like what we want to talk about. And I gave you this. I said, we gave up 336. And you're like, that's a solid number, Brian. And I said, hey, Brian, 200 of those 336 were on their garbage time touchdown drives they had three of them and you just kind of went ooh, oh yeah six sacks two interceptions um this team that had went significantly high last week on the rushing stats you know averaging you know what over six a carry about five and a half a carry 42 carries 139 yards 3.3 per carry the longest run they had all day was 14 yards they weren't breaking anything. We were tackling well. We'll get into that with some of the key plays throughout the game. Brian, if I told you who the leading tackler was, at the, if you guessed who the leading tackler would be at the beginning of this game, who would you have guessed? I'd have probably said Rook. Yeah, me too. It was not Rook. It was Keonta Jenkins, eight total tackles. Freshy. The freshman going in there, stepping up big. Um, Justice Reed. <laughs> two sacks. Man child. <laughs> Looking like a man. He is a man out there and just pushing people around. Um, two sacks. Set up a couple other, you know, sacks as well with some of the stuff he was doing. Um, yeah, man. You know, Brian Murray with the pick. Devon Diablo with the pick. Murray almost tried to get another one. So pretty crazy. So, Brian, just listen to those stats. How does that make you feel overall now as potentially as we go as a team, players are missing the players that are there? So I think the big thing, down three key starters, down another handful of guys that were going to see significant snaps. And without your two of your your defensive coaches, and we go out there and handle our business about the way we expected to handle our business before all of this shakeup, 
Uh, I feel pretty damn good. I feel pretty damn good. I feel like this is best possible outcome I could have imagined from this game. And that was, you know, not, not taking into account that we didn't have any defensive play caller as of the start of the game. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. I mean, my expectations, I think were, were mid to low relative to probably where they would normally be in a game one against an opponent that I think were significantly better than. And, you know, they, the, the Hokies came out, played well, and handled adversity when it came, and then took care of business. Absolutely, we did. All right, we're going to get into a quick game flow here through the quarters, things we saw. Brian's going to lead this. And the reason Brian's going to lead it, A, Brian, you played. You played collegiately. You coach at a high school level. There's things you see during the game that I don't. Did I make notes? Yes. <laughs> I tried. But there are certain things I know I'm probably missing. So, Brian, let's start it up. Let's crank it up in the first quarter. What, what are you feeling? All right. So, first quarter, right out the gate, um, offense looks smooth. Offensive line is what really jumped off at, at me um, right out the gate. Having Brock in there, it just it, it hums different. It just yeah. it, it hums different. And – I was seeing him mauling guys all all game, but right out the gate, like I could just see the impact he was having on the offensive line and just how, how much better it looked at some of those zone exchanges um, and not, not having those negative plays because of some of those that we've seen in the past. So, I mean, right out the gate, that was big. And Herbert took <laughs> advantage of that early on. I mean, we, he had a couple big runs on that first drive, even though we settled for three, and, uh, you know, after the, the turnover, um, yeah. came back and he was, you know, hot again on that second drive. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say some words that we haven't really said in a while, man. Herbert has lead back potential. <laughs> he does, man. He, he absolutely does. He, he runs a, he's got speed and power. He gets cut. His vision's really good. There's a couple times tonight he waited, set it up, moved it in I also like the way we kept it very simple that those first couple of drives. It, we weren't trying to do crazy things or take shots downfield. It's like this is we're going to execute our game plan. And we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the divine pick, man. Something I noticed early, and I made a quick on this, and this was kind of all night. We we were just gang tackling everywhere. We were getting pressure. We were gang tackling. Like it was when they got hit by one within about a. Tenth of a second, there were two more there, and they were down. Yep. The 14 yards I talked about, like, that was a pretty big deal. And then, uh, Brian, what, what what do you think you see from the D-line on this? So, D-line, Reed is a monster. Um, he's great at setting the edge, and he's great at the bull rush. Um, you know, he's, he's pushing the tackle into the quarterback's lap, and that's opening up pass rush lanes for other guys too. So, I mean, I, I love what I'm seeing there. I like what I'm seeing from the zone adjustments that have come with, um, with this defense. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen, you know, var- variations of man or like um, some, some cover three man under and things like that. But having some of those uh, linebackers and uh, the safety and whip in, in, in more zone coverage, is really giving them an opportunity to do some some things that 
play to their strengths, which is some of that read react and a little bit more baiting um, yeah. quarterbacks into making some bad throws. So the only time that, you know, the, the quarterback I saw was having some success was when he was able to throw on time upfield, um, you know, between the zone. But anytime where our guys are where they needed to be, it, it became problem. And, you know, we talked about the Diablo pick and that yeah. constant pressure in the backfield was, um, was something that kind of set up a lot of, um, negative plays for them, whether it was a couple interceptions or whether it was, um, you know, a couple of big sacks that we had um, in that first quarter that really just got them off their game plan early. Absolutely. The one thing I noticed, and me and you talked about it, and we actually, I think I sent you a text or two, was never seen this before with Bud. We we blitzed Bax, we blitzed Rayshard, we blitzed Tisdale. They were delayed blitzes, though. They were not not significant delays, but that's different. That's something we have never seen from our defense in all the years we've got Virginia Tech football, if we're blitzing, usually snap, they're going. And it's that delayed. And I know you mentioned to me when I talked to you about it a little while ago here about what that can do, especially with the guard. And one of them was like the Justice Reed and Rook delayed, and he just went straight past the uh, the, the the guard. But so like yep. take it real quick with the delayed blitz now, which that looks like it's part of our scheme now. What it does, so especially the interior linemen. So, so the big thing is especially for so with a four man front, there's going to be one guard that usually doesn't have a man in front of them that they're blocking. Usually, um, you know, whatever side that the uh, the one technique is for our defense, that guard is probably going to have some sort of some two read to three read um, situation for linebackers coming in. And if they don't see anyone right off the bat, and they see somebody else next to them that's struggling with their man they might try to pinch and help and pinch and help and at least at least throw a hand out there if not go in there and try to try to clean up that situation and you know with a guy like reed getting in there and that guard trying to help out help out all of a sudden you got a delay blitz, blitz from rook or delay from from dak or tiz and now they're in the backfield making a big play man exactly it's huge um sort of hit a little Downswing on the offense in the, the end of the first quarter, but at the end of the first quarter, we're up seventeen nothing. I don't think any Hokie fan would complain about that start. We drove three times, we scored three times, we stopped them. Basically, they were non-existent on their offense. But we go into the second quarter, and you know, just a couple, yeah, you know, kind of two big moments in the game, um, Brian. Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of started the second quarter, the first drive of the second quarter, had a couple negative plays, and at, unfortunately at the end of one of those negative plays, Burmeister goes down, um, on a, takes a sack, and comes down weird on his throwing hand and comes off the field. We think it might be dislocation or something like that. Um, you know, it turns out later we find out it was, he was having some sort of uh, some hand cramps um couldn't couldn't close his close his grip there so that that was an interesting uh that even they noted on the broadcast a very interesting injury yeah that, you know is i've never heard of that particularly so you know that's that was something interesting to deal with but we talked about it on the podcast several times man best quarterback room in the country in the country <laughs> third I, string I, quarterback quincy patterson comes off the bench yep took a few minutes in, it's a couple good runs. It's yeah. uh, a couple fades, and all of a sudden, we're in the end zone. We are in the end zone. 
And there was no yellow flag on the Tavion Robinson touchdown. Where they? Oh my God, he was getting ball. He was getting balled at the five yard line, and he caught the ball six yards deep in the end zone. Yeah, he had, to, like, he had to literally push his man into the end zone, and then came back and made the play. No flag, you know. It yeah. it, it reminded me a lot of like some of those uh, those jump balls that Evans was throwing when we played Pitt. Uh, back in 2016, where we were just getting mauled, but we kept still bringing them in and getting the touchdowns. One touchdown uh, flags that night and driving Narduzzi crazy. It was great. Yeah. One thing we missed, and I know you love to see it early first, was that seam route to Mitchell. After yes. one of those outside plays and those safeties kind of started moving away, we popped that seam. He gets us down and we score. That's one of our scoring plays, which you always love the seam. And, I do. I, it's, it's not so much that I, I think we should run a lot more scenes. It's that I feel like we never run them when I think we should. Exactly. <laughs> like I, a lot of times, you know, you get some of those third down calls, and I think sometimes the scene can just loosen things up a little bit. So it was good to see that get hit. That was a that was a big play for us. That set up. Um, well, that that set up the uh, the first touchdown. Correct. That's out the first touchdown, correct. And yep. the other thing we missed before the Tavion fade was that hell of a catch by Caleb Smith going back, keeping it off the ground, and then securing it. A couple plays later was the Tavion touchdown. But, I mean, that was a damn good catch. And, I, you know, Caleb had a couple catches tonight and, you know, later on a two-point conversion. So it was awesome to see that. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of guys involved, even though there wasn't any yeah. big stat line for the receivers other than Trey's big run. I mean, no. guys were involved the whole night, so it wasn't like they were just you know out there throwing blocks for Herbert. They were doing some some business. It just didn't not a lot of it showed up in the in the stat line, but you know, big nights for for those guys. And uh, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and like then we see the defense go three and out. They're continuously holding. We 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 kind of stall a little bit. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say even stall. Because we, we scored the touchdown, and we kind of have a couple, you know, punts. We move the ball a little bit. But then as we're going in here, it's 17-7. They score on us finally. And we come out, and we go on a nice long drive, 75 yards. We score a touchdown. And this is to me where the game flipped because they're still down 17. They had just answered. We answered. And you're feeling, okay, if. Even if they kick a field goal, they have to feel good about themselves. Defense goes out three down or three and out, eight yards, punt, gives a little bit of a good field position thanks to that punt. Um, it was going to be deep. Tay brought it up a little bit for us. Yep. And then a couple plays later, big play makes the big play. It was our favorite play. The, the, the favorite play of the podcast, the jet sweep, man. Um, you know, they Beautiful. jet sweep to Trey. He gets outside, um, you know, does a good job of, of making the cut when he reads the, the uh, safety coming up to fill kind of shoulders off one tackle. And next thing you know, he's off to the races and uh, took a, a corner in the, uh, the backside safety to finally walk him down. Um, so that was a huge play and, and it was a play that I think we needed to kind of get some of that, that, uh, that good feeling about what we were doing back. So, you know, yeah. we, we had had a sustained drive after, um, you know, Braxton's injury and after giving up the touchdown, you know, 
Quincy went out there, led a pretty good drive. We got a good touchdown. And then, but having, being able to hit that big play again really kind of got that momentum back in our favor and felt like we were taking the control of the game over again. You know what it felt like? It's, it's the Python theory. It felt like we loosened it up for a second. And then when Trey did that big play, it was like, we're getting points here. And it just tightened up. Yep. And then big stone gap with the fade catches it. And you just felt like it's 31-7. It's just like we yep. can both constrict them the rest of this game. They cannot move the ball um, sustain in it enough. Yeah, I mean, even when they were sustaining drives, they weren't getting chunk plays fast. Like, even though they're a tempo offense, because of how much they rely on the run game, you know, they're still slower drives than, like, a team that's running, um, you know, air raid or something like that where they can get a couple uh, big plays in the open field and all of a sudden, you know, you have a 45-second drive on, on five plays or something like that. No, it's... Even when they're running the way they want to, it's still taking some time off the clock. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they were able to get uh, a couple good plays on their subsequent drive and were able to kick a field goal before half, but that still didn't really feel like it did a whole lot for them. Like, <laughs> I'm still calling this out. Sons of Saturday, Pat Finn, you cursed us by putting up, we're going to be up 31-7 on NC State. And what do they do? They kick a damn 53-yard field goal. So, Pat <laughs> you don't to- hit tweet till till the clock's at zero. Exactly. Well, you know what? I hate to say this. I saw it go out, and I went into the Twitter, and I'm just like, I got the uh, fry, the eye thing from Fry from Futurama, and I just sat there. When that went through, I pressed it like, you deserve this because of that. Um, <laughs> so we come out in the third quarter, Brian, NC State gets the ball, and they kind of went, I don't know if you would call it tempo, but they kind of went with some just some quick passes down the middle, and the next thing you know, um, you know they're they're driving down the field, three step drops. They hit a couple good passes, and then something you mentioned <laughs> in the podcast Thursday about Hockman. Yeah, so uh, he he was late throwing an out uh, against Wake Forest. They got took to the house by the safety. Um, little different scenario, but same, same route and same instance of Hawkman throwing the ball late. Uh, they ran another out route. Um, in this case, instead of having man with a safety shell, we had, uh, Murray out there, um, kind of playing a, a, a little off zone and he baited Hawkman into throwing the out. He, he kind of sat there a few, few yards off, I think. It looked like Hockman may have had a read that he wanted to go to somewhere else first, and then he was he was going to the out. He saw he had a little bit of cushion out there, and he thought, I got the arm to get it in there. And as yeah. soon as Murray saw those eyes go over there, he broke on it, picked it off, almost took it to the house. Yeah. Um, it was it was after the way we like just kicked their dick in the dirt in the first half. Like There was no better way to come out in the second half and just start things off, man. And unfortunately we only had to settle for a field goal on that, uh, as a result of that. But it, I think it just, at that moment I was like, all right, their will is starting to break a little bit here. Oh yeah. (laughs) They knew with that pick right there, like this is over. And I think what we did is we went super conservative. We run like four power play, three power plays and we just kick a field goal 
to make it 34-10. You're up 24 points. It's, you know, you're five minutes off in the third quarter. It's kind of like, are you going to be able to score 25 points? You're probably not going to be able to score 25 points in that time. Um, You know, they kept Hockman in, though. Counter Jenkins causes a bad throw. We already mentioned it. Justice B, Justice Reed was a beast all night. We stopped them again on another drive. And then, Brian, we kind of, lo and behold, um, after we stop them, somebody shows back up. Hey, Braxton Burmeister back in the game. Alliteration yep. aside, uh, yeah, it looks like the uh, he was able to shake off whatever was going on with his hand. Um, I don't know if it was, he got some fluids or ate some sort of special food in the locker room at halftime. The rumor is out there he ate mustard because it was something <laughs> he needed some salt in his body. Okay. And, Maybe because the awkward hit, Braxton has not played in over two years or close to two years. Maybe just all that kind of happening all at once. But, yeah, he comes back out and um, down the field we go for uh, 46 yards. Yeah, pick up, yeah. A, pick up another field goal there. Yep, pick up another field goal. Um, Herbert has another good run. Braxton has a good run. Um, then we get the pass interference penalty where – if that guy doesn't trip Caleb Smith, he's walking. Because it was a – if you – looking at the replay, I mean, you, we hit – real quick, we hit each other and it's like, yeah. if he doesn't trip him, Caleb Smith walks under that ball and he's a touchdown. Oh, yeah. They saved themselves there. Yep. Because Caleb had a step. He, he was in good position for the ball. Um, ball was thrown, looked like on time, based on – where, uh, you know, with Caleb getting tripped up, he ended up only about like six yards short of where the ball ended up landing. So, I mean, he would have ran right under that. Um, and like I said, I don't think that the corner would have been in a position to make any sort of play on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, the setup of that drive, though, Brian, was the, the heart attack moment of the night with Tavion at that weird ass angle trying to go field that punt. Yes. Um, so oh. he was in the uh, he was what right in the middle of the field. And he was going for it, and you you kind of texted me. It's like you got to just let that go. It's a weird angle. You're coming yeah. at a weird angle. Like just let it go. Luckily, you're running full speed, and you've got guys coming at you that are close enough. Just just let it go. Yep. We don't we don't want you to get take any unnecessary hits like that. We don't want you to end up putting the ball on the turf and give them a, a cheap and easy uh, touchdown there to give them some sort of life at this point. So. Um, you know, learning experience, but I mean, at the same time, you know, he still did a really good job in terms of punt returning tonight, other than that one little, uh, little situation. And again, the level of difficulty of doing that was high. You just got to be smart enough to say, I don't need to take that risk. No, not, not that at that point in the game, when you're up 34, yeah. We don't need a big play right now. We we need yeah. to protect the ball. And, you know, yeah. fortunately for us, we, we ended up falling on it. And, uh, yep. you know, next thing you know, we're, we're, we're back in business here. Down the field, kicking the field goal. Finally, they pull Bailey Hockman. They put in Leary, the sophomore. Um, he comes in. He, uh, he does lead them down for a touchdown drive. Um, really on that one, they were against the, the, the second, more second teamer. Defensive line who over overall the second team defensive line played really good with Amari Barno, um, Eli Adams at times, uh, Zion was at times with Kendricks, um, Philpot, and Fuga in the middle. But this one they kind of came out with Leary. 
They hit the outside zone. He made some good throws. Kendricks did get a good sack on that play on the interior. And they had to convert a fourth down to get there. So clearly when you're having to go for like fourth and eights, the the game's out of reach. And, but they get again, part of their 200 yards of their 136, 336 yards of total offense right there. Um, you know, now best part, I really liked this because he had missed the time earlier. Um, you know, we keep, um, we keep Braxton in the game. Um, and that's kind of when, uh, he has a good run. Then Jalen Holston has a good run. And then on the Jalen Holston run at the end, very scary moment. Um, uh, Khalid Martin, safety number 21 for NC State, just take it, it was, it was a just, it's football. His neck popped yeah. back. He was on the field. Both teams on their knees. I, I, I felt like you saw Fu wasn't on his knees, but you kind of saw him. I don't know if you saw that moment. They kind of showed him and he was just kind of, he was just kind of sitting there and he just had his head down. Um, very scary moment. They take him out. Luckily, just a couple minutes away from the hospital. Hopefully, hear good things about that young man um, over the next few days. Prayers up for him, um, Brian. And uh, absolutely, so, yeah, definitely a scary moment. And you know, having been on the field for for a moment like that in the past, it's it's definitely something where you know your your thoughts are going out to the other team because you know you don't want that that to happen to your team. And, you know, everybody's out there grinding, trying to win. Just hope the best for him. You, you hate to see an injury like that yeah. um, happen on the football field, especially to start the season. So, uh, you know, prayers and, and, and thoughts out to him. Hopefully he has a, a swift recovery and, uh, you know, nothing too serious there. So we'll pick back up here. Um, but we, after we, that happened, we had a uh, couple more plays. We, we punt it. We pin them deep. So then they uh, they take a long drive. They get what forty five yards on the drive, and then go for it on fourth. And you know we yeah. have to stop them there. And and that's where we kind of put uh, put the foot on the throat here. Put the foot on the throat. Yeah. Come lame. come right back out. We got a uh, first play from scrimmage on that drive. Braxton Burmeister's in there. Throwback screen to Khalil Herbert for forty six yards. Yes, sir. Uh, that did set up a short yardage situation inside the five. Who comes in, Curtis? Finally, bring Quincy in for a freaking short yardage situation. Thank you. Quincy Patterson comes back into the game for short yardage, gets the touchdown there. And then uh, the surprise of this little exchange is that we brought uh, Braxton back in for the two point conversion. I think we, I guess Fu just really wanted 45 points. <laughs> happy is he is on the TV right now. I'm assuming that's what he wanted, but also a good chance in that situation. You know, we're up 43, and they can, I, you know, people are like, well, that's just adding on, and it's like, well, no, he missed a significant amount of time. It was actually a nice little play design, a little rollout right, um, and he had actually, I think Caleb Smith was his second option, and they covered, I think James Mitchell, and then there's Caleb kind of drifting back underneath, pops it in, two point conversion. Kind of, kind of did a little of that uh, that Montana trick. He was you know, was rolling out, but they had some, some penetration upfield and he had to give some more ground and then kind of throw off his, off his back foot. But he found his second target um, Smith right there in the middle of the end zone um, for a touchdown. And that, that really kind of, kind of closed it out there. There was a, a long drive by NC state in garbage time. 
probably well, took up more clock than they wanted. <laughs> true. Well, well, Brian, hold on. We got to go back to the Quincy Patterson run and what Doug Nestor did. Yes, we do. I, I, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Yeah, I, have to just, <laughs> I, I was watching the replays and they were talking about it on uh, on the ACC network. Uh, Nestor was in there at guard and he pulled and led the way for Quincy on that uh, on that touchdown short yardage. And he completely blew the shit out of the linebacker. Like the linebacker came in the hole to fill and like, you know, he put him oh, on his back. He gave him pancakes. I hope he gave him syrup too. Oh, I just saw the play. They just showed the replay of it. He pushed the guy back like eight yards. <laughs> He's too like the, the, the letter, the, the cross on the H is where the guy lands from the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that, that, that's what we call a pancake. I hope he gave him some syrup. Damn right. It, it, and it's as fun doing this late night, Brian, because me and you've had a few beers. I've been up since six o'clock this morning. I'm a little delirious, probably. Um, basically, they didn't. They go out and score another touchdown um, on that drive, though. Um, you know, Eli Adams gets a sack. Good for him. Um, Murray tries to pick another one. He tried to undercut, and he damn near got it. Had and his hands on it. He had his hands on it. And then there was another play on that same long drive to kind of their last drive that they score on. Guy gets up. Murray's try- Murray, Brian Murray, is a, he, he's a fucking ball. He wants that ball. Yeah. And he played well tonight. Armani Chapman, um, Armani Chapman tackled well tonight. There was a couple of times where he was against bigger guys on the sideline, and he essentially just made a very solid, fundamental tackle, got the guy down. Yeah, when he when he had the responsibility of having to take a guy out, you know, open field tackle, just him in, in, in space there, he did really well. He covered really well. Yes, he did. Um, they didn't go to his go his way a lot, which says a lot about what he was doing in coverage. Exactly. So again, all sorts of good things. So they they score it. We essentially get the ball back. We drive down. We could have had a fifty burger. Oh yeah, yeah. Holston broke broke off a big run that got us inside the ten. Um, had a couple runs that got us down to the two. Um, so Coach cool. Fuente with what just over a minute left decides he's gonna go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll take a knee on it, call it a game. Yeah, man, and you know. It's one of those things where we just kind of, at the end of the game, it was just kind of like, if you told me and you Thursday night, like, the, you, by the middle of the third quarter, you're going to be able to hop on Skype and chit-chat with each other and bullshit around before the game ends. We would have been like, nah, <laughs> there's too many potential guys out. There's there's too many things. Um yeah, I didn't. I thought we would probably still pull the win, but I thought my anxiety would have been a whole lot higher the whole game than it was. So I thought I'd have been a little more high strung and kind of just ready to bang it out. But no, we we were we were relaxed and chatting it up and just trying to trying to build this thing together before we before we press record. And I'm gonna ask you this, buddy who who stood out to you in this game? Like, give me give me three guys that really showed up for you that either you didn't expect or, or even if, if, if it's a guy you thought needed to show up and they did just a really good job of, of fulfilling those expectations. Um, well, I've mentioned him already a couple of times, Brian Murray, Brian Murray showed up. Um, 
and even with Jermaine nicked right now, it makes me feel really good because, you know, people bagged on Armani last year. Armani as a freshman played damn good. He was he was a top ten freshman in the nation. So I knew he could play. But Brian with very little experience, the way he played tonight, it, it makes me feel good. Um, I, even though he's not in my top three, Singletary came in, a couple good hits. I feel like he'll probably get there to make that room more depth-wise. Um, Keonta Jenkins, I mean, yeah. unbelievable. And, you know, the the third, can I just say the whole freaking offensive line? <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, oh, I mean, it wasn't just one. You saw guys getting up field. You saw good pass pros. Um you know, even the sack, like the Braxton sack where he kind of hurt his arm, that wasn't that was on him going backwards. That was not on the offensive line. And they and they weren't getting to our quarterbacks unless they were bringing pressure. Yes, absolutely. You talk about Brock and the communication, and that's when you have a guy like Christian Darisaw, who's a potential NFL tackle, yeah. and you have the two guys on the interior, Hud, Nestor, Leticus. Who, who are good guards and Luke Canuda who's growing into his own right tackle. And you got Hoffman who feels like he's making the right calls. That's my three. What about your three? Um, I'm right there with you on Keontae Jenkins. Okay. Um, not just the tackle numbers. Um, I saw him doing a really good job with, with the run fills. And I think the thing that impressed me most is that I didn't see him really out of position any. Like he was, he was where he needed to be. That's Even if he wasn't the guy that was making the play or if he maybe missed a tackle, he was there. He was where he needed to be. And that, that is saying something for a true freshman making their first start against a, I'd say a quality ACC opponent. I don't think NC state's top half of the league, but they're, they're a team that, you know, especially in the run game can, can hurt you if, if, if they uh, execute well. And, you know, he went out there and, 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 and balled out, man. Um, number two for me, Brock Hoffman. <laughs> Living up to all of the hype True. that we had for him both last year and coming into this year, man. I mean, we talked, we've talked him up. We, you know, it feels like because he didn't have last year when we thought he would, like, it feels like we've had a lot of pent up hype for Brock and, to go out and have that type of performance, I mean, making all the right calls, clean snaps, saw him completely mauling guys on the interior, um, really understands the zone concepts, and having a center that ha- that does that, that kind of trickles down to the guards. So um, that that's really going to help their game as well. So I really love that. And uh, if I had to put a last note there, I'm going to put uh, Khalil Herbert. Oh, okay. Herbert, I mean, watching him, what he was doing in the open field with his one cut. I mean, he was one cut and he was finding finding where those uh, where those lanes were and just making that NC State defense pay all night. All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question about Khalil because the other two guys were kind of on. I'm on the whole offensive line because I think that group is absolutely beast. Buddy of mine from the West Coast texted me. I haven't seen a running back a running back like that in the backfield in the last in ten years. I'd, I'd say yeah, I'd say yeah, David. In terms of 
if if he's able to put stack some of these games back to back like this, yeah, definitely I could say that. Um, I mean, we've we've seen guys have a couple big games like this. So if if he shows me this consistency, yeah, I'll go ahead and throw that on him. But I mean, just seeing what he did tonight, right out the gate. I mean that was impressive. That was impressive. Like I said, lead back potential is uh, is where I'm at right now. I'm not gonna call him the lead back, but he's got lead back potential. And I haven't said that since David Wilson was in our backfield. And he was special. And you see the way we talked about Khalil, man. Power, speed, vision. There are a couple times you you and I asked you. I'm like, there are a couple times he set up his runs, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, like he, he let it develop and then he hit. And, and he's got more burst than I thought I saw on his tape from from Kansas. And let's just go ahead and give a, a quick shout out to uh, Justin Fuente and and his uh, coaches. Oh my God! For, yeah. for, for pulling guys from the transfer portal and having them make impacts right away. Between Reed and Herbert's big night and what Blackshear was able to do with zero practice this week and probably not even part of the game plan in terms of how they were planning to attack NC state's defense. I mean, th- th- they did wonderful. And I'll tell you another guy that didn't really show up on the stat sheet, but did some good things in the, uh, in the run game fairs was out there getting some wow. big blocks on the edge to open up some of those, uh, long runs we had both from, uh, Burmeister and also from, uh, from Khalil Herbert. All right, Brian. I'm gonna I'll send it to you, and I'll say it to the listeners of the podcast. We ain't seen everything from this team yet, and that's scary. Yeah, you talk about Fair's blocking. Fair's didn't get used too much in the past game. Changa Hodge, Blackshear in full mode, getting Keyshawn King back. Um. That's that's not to mention the fact that we were using our number two and number three quarterbacks. In game one of the season. Wait till QB1 gets out there. Wait till QB1 gets out there. All right, Brian, I'm looking up here. I am not staying up much past 1 o'clock because it appears that BYU has absolutely blown the doors off Troy. Your Lakers have advanced to the finals. Congratulations. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Um, We'll definitely, when we get back later this week, we will definitely hit on some of the stuff we saw, not only in the ACC, but probably some – just some things we saw in general today. It was a great day of college football. I know you did some family activities. I watched football. Had to leave the house for a little while. Wife got a little headache, so I took the boys over to the in-laws. Still got to watch some games, but uh, you know, y'all in the garage over there. You, you and the father-in-law. Father-in-law's garage. So multiple games up. Um. So yeah. But Brian, anything we're seeing on Twitter that might have calls for concern before we wrap this up nothing at the moment man nothing at the moment it's a good night everybody enjoy it enjoy the rest of the weekend and we'll uh we'll catch back up with you uh end of this week and we'll we'll do it again that's absolutely correct well that's going to wrap up this late night edition of the boundary corner podcast i'm curtis wilson i'm brian siegler follow us twitter facebook check us out your favorite podcast portals including spotify and apple Podcasts. as always we let jason long our good friend play us out hit him up on spotify and apple we got one and oh brian one and oh let's go hokies